So have you ever, ever been in a situation or facing a decision, a conflict, a friend or someone in your family oh, yeah. aren't sure what to do <laughs> or what direction to go or how to even begin to resolve the conflict? It can be so hard. We and they have expectations. And we also all have our wounds and our lenses and our filters that we've talked about that influence how we see and hear and how we respond and act and react. So together our readings today provide some really great guidance. They point us to Jesus, our living word, to scripture, his word. Jesus is living example in Paul's teaching all to guide us. So we began in Psalms uh, 119 the longest, there are 176 verses in this psalm, but it's yeah. such a good one. Um, it's a series of mini lessons, if you will, or many topics as they walk through, but this one that we're in today is um, the Word of God teaches us how we can, we can look to His Word for that. We don't know who the author is, um, but what we do know is through this, He's engaged in real battle with His enemies and also internally with Himself. And what we learn from this is after our hearts are forgiven and refreshed by the Spirit of God, we need God to teach us. We disciple to Jesus. He walks with us and will show us things. He rescues us. He saves us. He redeems us. He forgives us. But we don't automatically, magically know then how to live life <laughs> in peace and love like Jesus does. And so it's a, it is a process. So it's one thing to be taught. Um, and then another to understand, and if you remember, just walking through uh, the parables that we walked through this summer as Jesus was teaching, how many times he would say, listen and understand, as with ears here, listen and understand. So it, it's a process, but he gives it. Uh, Matthew, in Matthew 7, um, we can ask for wisdom, ask and it will be given to, given to you. Um, Seek and you will find. James tells us that we can look to God and ask, for his wisdom and he will give it if we ask him. Um, goes on to say, what he reminds us though is we can't just receive his word and then just live on it every day. So we just need to stay connected with him every day. And he goes on to say, incline my heart to your testimonies. God must continue to work with him um, because we don't want our hearts to become hardened, which is always a possibility in our lives. So I don't have which verse this is, but he goes on, it's on the right-hand column on the, pe on the page that you have in front of you, where he says, um, to underscore this, he says, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things, right? We want him to help us to turn our eyes toward him and to his word. So as we move into our passage, we take this knowing that we can look to his word for instruction and for guidance and for living forward. And I love how Paul always approaches these, uh, so many questions, all of his teachings, when he anticipates people asking, why should we do this? Like, why even do this? And he consistently answers, because that's what love does. So that's what we're gonna, we're gonna talk. Uh, just a quick recap, last week, uh, as we were walking through, uh, the last, actually, the two prior weeks, we're walking through Romans 12, letting love be genuine, hate evil, living in harmony, rejoicing with others in community, celebrating what we celebrate, mourning together when we're mourning, uh, living in community, in love, forgiveness, and allowing um, good to overcome evil and not get pulled into that. 
So we're in chapter 13 now, and the, the lectionary skipped over the first part of this section, which talks about governmental government authorities, and moves back in where Paul's picking up. But through all of this, he's walking through, if you remember, we said the first 11 verses, or 11 chapters of Romans were all clarifying uh, what it means to belong to Jesus, what, it, what salvation means, what grace, what grace is, and forgiveness, and then shifting to 12, we're moving then towards how do we live in response to that. Because of that, then how do we live? And so all of these next chapters are helping with that. And so that's where we are. He's picking up, picking up here. Um, Paul teaches that love is an urgent requirement for believers, that it's not to be withheld. So let's read our passage. Um, Romans 13, 8 to 14. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. This is all the more urgent. For you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Yeah. All right, so let's dive into, these, uh, into this passage. Tough words. Yeah. Um, but he, he gives us guidance, and God gives us grace. We don't do any of this on our own. Amen. So leaning on God uh, and his strength to help, help us do it. So let's see. Owe nothing to anyone. So he's... He's talking here in a number of things. There's, like, if you borrow something, it's simple, light things, right? If you borrow something, give it back. If you owe someone money, repay them. Um, owe, owe people nothing except this one thing that can't ever be fully paid and fulfilled this side of heaven, and that is the obligation to love one another. Let that lead us in everything that we do. So if we borrow something you're not giving back, well, there's a commandment about that. It's, stealing, we call it what we want, you know what I mean? So he's, he's keeping us in, in line here, but reminding us that we don't want to do anything um, that is not that is not grounded in love. And he sums up the whole chunk in, let's see, in verse 9, a whole chunk of the commandments, uh, of those commandments that fall under uh, under loving, loving our neighbor. Uh, where he goes on, for the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one, love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, all of the commandments can really be broken into two, uh, or summed up in two commandments. There's writing, Paul demonstrates that we can live out our faith in a variety of ways, but he goes on to say, and this is in um, quoting from Mark, uh, the most important one, Jesus answered, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. And that those first few commandments are all about loving God 
and not the dead well, and not having other gods before, and having, um, uh, having idols, um, keeping the Sabbath holy. Those loving God, and then the others are how we, how we love others. And then Jesus goes on to say, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. Love does, in verse 10, he goes on to say, love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God, God's law. And then he emphasizes the urgency. It's like, Jesus is coming back. Amen. We know he's coming back. And he says, this is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Uh, wake up, for our salvation is near. Uh, and these verses, he's making a, um, he goes on then to make a comparison between living in goodness, living in goodness versus living in sin. Salvation is, versus night. Salvation means, and this means renewal, right? Sure. Well, salvation Salvation is we are saved by grace through faith. Right. So is Jesus' love and redemption for us, his forgiveness for our sins, the sacrifice that he made for us. Mm -hmm. um, but then how do we live out of that? Not how do we earn it. We didn't earn it. Mm -hmm. um, but how do we how do we live? And there's we also live in the tension of the already, not yet. Right. Like Jesus came, we have been forgiven, we have saved, he is coming back. So there's this, the kingdom is here on earth, it's living in us but it's also not fully experienced right. yet because we won't experience that until Jesus comes fully back. Gotcha. Yes. Uh, so, let's see. So he's comparing the good, um, living good versus uh, in sin. Day versus night. Dirty, taking off the, the, um, the sinful deeds like their dirty clothes and closing ourselves in Jesus' presence. We talk about staying close to God. There are a couple passages that, that this brings to mind. In John 15, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. He um, talks about being the, um, he is the vine and staying connected with him is how we stay rooted in him and can, and can move forward. And that's what this passage is speaking to in some ways too. In Galatians, Paul talks about walking in the spirit, walking in step with the spirit. He then goes on in verse 12 to say, The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So prepare, be ready. Remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. In Ephesians 4, Paul talks about um, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And in Colossians 3.10, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of our creator what we know to be true. And then he goes on in verse 13 to call out some types of sin. He's like, because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives. Don't participate in all these things. And he gives this list. And the list begins with things that everybody would or might recognize as sin and sinful living, immorality, all these other things. But then to that list, he adds quarreling and jealousy <laughs> among that same list, right? And so... Our attitudes and our actions matter. We just think of sin. Well, sin must be just those big sins. You know, I'm not going to kill anybody. I'm not going to beg. He's, he's saying that our attitudes influence our actions. So if we think certain things um, in anger or um, in lust, then can lead to adultery. Or in anger can lead us to harm somebody or sin. So he's, he's connecting those two, but he's talking interpersonally again. This passage is talking about how do we love others well? How do we live well because of what Jesus has done for us? How do we love like Jesus? How do we 
help him, not help him, how do we let him <laughs> not us. fight him as he's trying to transform us into his likeness uh, and loving others well. So he's making the point here that one leads to the other. He shares, um, shares that also in the Sermon on the Mount, which I know you spent a good amount of time in, I think in March, earlier this year. Um, but instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that, don't let yourself think about ways to resolve your evil desires. What might it look like to put on God's presence? Like, what does that mean for you? And I'll just let you sit with that for a little while. And we'll move into this. We'll come back to that. Um, but think about what could that even look like? Uh, so our Matthew passage, uh, we're picking up a little further in Matthew. We've skipped over some sections where um, the, the lectionary picks up now, but where he was, uh, Jesus continues teaching through the king, uh, teaching about the kingdom, teaching about sin, warning against looking down on other people. Um, the parable of the lost sheep will probably eventually get there at some point, but what he's doing there. Uh, in those passages that lead up to this one is addressing some things that are typical in their society. And one of those is this excommunication thing that was very common, um, common among, uh, among the Jewish people. Like the church would make a decision, hey, you're in, you're out. Uh, so he's addressing that and he addressed it in some, with, he reframed it a little bit with the parable of the lost sheep one that goes away and go after and bring them back into the fold. So this pa this passage that we're walking through that Horace um, read for us earlier talks about how we can work with other believers when someone has sinned against us uh, or is involved. And so it's important as we look at this passage, as he walks through this process that he gives us to realize that this is for believers. Like, so this is for people of faith uh, if you somebody offends you, some harm, harms you in some way, does something that that you felt like was a sin against you, lays out this process for how you might um, how you might begin to address it and find peace uh, and unity, maintain unity in a way that is respectful and kind and loving. Uh, but it goes through a series of a series of things because. Um, as, as I mentioned, in the Jewish in the Jewish faith at that point, it was very common for them, you know, someone did something and they would just be excommunicated from the church. Uh, there's a uh, passage where Jesus heals a blind man, and, and it was on Sabbath, and so there's all this, um, all this wrestling back and forth, and the Pharisees are, you know, questioning them, and they're like questioning the parents, was he really blind at birth? Um, so there was, was all this big conversation around it, and the parents were feel fearful that they were going to get kicked out and said, well, he's of age, ask him. Uh, and so the man who was blind, who had been healed, said, all I know is that once I was blind, and now I can see. Mm -hmm. And eventually he gets excommunicated. And I mean, Jesus comes and finds him later, but it's, that was like the tradition. That's just one example of, of many that happened at that time. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's challenging that. He's like, the purpose... You know, we, our goal is unity. Our goal is to love one another, to, to stay together, to work for God's kingdom, to love others well. There sometimes are situations that are tricky to deal with. And so he lays out this process 
and he says to begin, um, so he gives us this roadmap that doesn't, that encourages us not to go the way of slander or do you know what this person did to me? It's going just quietly yeah. to them, one-on-one. -on -one. Hey, you know what, this really hurt my feelings or this rubbed me the wrong way or I felt like this when this happened. Like, it's one-on-one. -on -one. And then if that doesn't address it, then he walks through those other steps. But what's important is you begin, you lead with love um, and honor and respect. Go to them, I felt this way. And then you hope to reconcile. And if you, d if you do, then great. And then you forgive and you move on. You know, keep, do you know what they <laughs> We have, like, that's just human nature uh, to do that. And he's, and he's like, no, don't do that. Um, but I think the, the first, in that first step, one of the things that I would share is it's really important that the person yeah. doing the confronting to be certain of what it is that they're addressing, if it's some sin that they've observed or heard about, or if it was something that they were hurt, but just to be, and do it out of humility, um, with the goals of restoration, not confrontation and punishment and shame, right? So he's, um, let's see, he's clarifying the, the commentaries, that the scholars that have studied these and, and, and written on these, um, point out that this is not a license for just an attack on somebody. It's a way to help seek unity and peace and reconciliation uh, within the church. Yeah. Um, the natural way when someone wrongs us, we've already talked about, but Jesus' way is we go in, in humility, but honesty um, and kindness and see if you can restore the relationships. And then in step two, they say, well, if that doesn't work, then you go back and take a couple people with you. And a couple things happen there. Sometimes other people, not to gang up, <laughs> not to gang up on the person, but sometimes it helps to have a little bit bigger perspective. We've talked a couple times about when we're in a conflict, sometimes it helps to seek, this, to seek that third side. Um, I was trying to seek Jesus' side, but when you have, can have a third viewpoint, someone who's a little more removed from the situation, they can do two things. They can help see the situation, help speak truth into it, and it help holds both parties accountable, including the one who feels like they're wrong, too. Um, and then, and then it goes on from there, and we'll I'm sure we'll have more time to dive into that passage um, in more detail. But, but it's this very—it's a—it's an incremental process uh, with the ultimate goal in every single one of those steps to keep the body unified and together, and keep hearts and relationships whole and life-giving uh, and restoring. So, what do we do with all of this? With with the psalm that we that that reminds us that we can look to his word to teach us uh, with the, the road map that, uh, that's provided here in Matthew if we're in conflict with another believer. And then Paul's teaching, which goes beyond just believers, is for how we treat all people, how we should be loving to one another. So what do we do with all of this? So a couple things. Um, his, we just know that his word, we can leave here knowing that his word will guide us and teach us. And we know it here, but do we know it here? And these are not lists of do's and don'ts or denials, but as we shared last week, it is a roadmap. Like it's, it lights our path. So the question is, how will you carve out some time this week, anytime, little, big, to be in his word with him this week? 
Maybe it's even just as simple as take a sheet with you and read these passages again and just sit quietly. Um, things will pop off the page at us. Like you know, saying, God told me this, God told me like, as we read something, you may have, may have even happened while we were in service here today, like, things will stand out. And when that happens, you're like, okay God, what do you want me to know about that? What do you want me to do about that? But the more we can take those moments to be in God's word, I remember the first time I was challenged to do this, like I didn't even know where to start. Um, so I started with the passages from from Sunday. Uh, yeah. was where was where I started. But but what I know is that his word is such is so rich and he speaks to us through his word and he will, things will pop off the page. I can read one passage today and read it three weeks from now and maybe something different is going to pop because of what's happening in my life at that time and he wants me to see something and if I'll at least stay connected in his word, I'm more likely, <laughs> way not 100%, but I'm more likely to lean on his way of handling something than not. So, Amen. you know, try and think about what, what is something, even a little thing, can be little or it can be big, whatever you feel like you can do, but anything is a place to start with him. Um, or to pick up again, if you've been away from this word for a while, you go through those seasons too. Second is, um, we're given the gift of one another in Christian community, and our goal is to love each other well and to love our community around us well in his name. Um, and it's not just the actions that bring us joy in worshiping together or kind of fellowship, which are super fun and serving in ways that we feel fulfilled and others too, but also for the sake of his love and his church and his world, being willing to have the hard conversations when we start to feel um, rift or um, disagreement, but being willing to um, to connect. Uh, and then also just encouraging people through the day, through the week, whether it's a text message or a cup of coffee or a phone call or seeing somebody. Just those ways that we can encourage one another because we all don't need it. We're not meant to walk through this life alone. Amen. And he gives us the gift of himself to walk with us and he gives us the gift of community. And we encourage and share one another. <laughs> And third is I will ask you this question. Is there a conflict you're avoiding or escalating? Just be honest with yourself. Um, how might you engage? And I guess if something pops into your mind or your heart, just take it to him and sit quietly with him um, in his word and see how he might leave. Leave, not leave. <laughs> he does not leave us. Thankfully, he does not leave us. Um, if it helps, talk to another uh, person in your Christian community. It can help guide too. Um, but relationship, we want to be able to take this into all of our relationships with our families, with our friends, coworkers, our neighbors, people we like, people that don't like us or that we don't like so much. Um, some relationships are easy, and some are really hard. But we're worth it. Um, we can lead with love, and He will guide us on what those steps might be. And then fourth, and we talked about this before, His presence is the key. And Paul talks about taking off the sin, the dirty clothes, and clothing ourselves with His presence. I'm like, what does that mean? Um, 
you know, remove those layers of coping, of survival, like how many layers of protection and coping mechanisms and survival have we layered on over our lifetime? Mm -hmm. And we put on his presence. It seems so abstract. Like what does it mean to put on his presence? <laughs> I want to know. Um, and not only how, but even why. Why would we want to put on his presence? The Bible tells us, but like in our hearts, like why? Um, because I know for much of my life, it felt a whole lot less vulnerable to have my Jesus box that sat on the shelf that I'd pull out on Sunday and go to church and be in the word and then worship. And then you put it back in the box and you go on with life. Like integrating it felt a little more a little more vulnerable for me. But I remember, um, and there were times in our lives where we went to church routinely and times when we didn't and things were busy or other things happened. Um, and then, you know, we, we pulled out the box when it was time to go to church or we decided to go for worship or we just decided really should we should go to church because it's been a while. I never, for a lot of my, a lot of my life, a lot of my adult life at least, I never thought of going to church as coming to worship God. I thought about it as going to church. Mm. Um, I don't know if that resonates with anybody, but for that, that changed yes. for me. But it's funny, so I was remembering over coffee with the other day, a conversation when I was a little girl, uh, when we'd go to church and be all excited, I'd go in and they had the, up front they would have the little, this little wooden thing, they'd have numbers with a number for the hymnal. So I'd open up the hymnal and I'd mark all the pages yep. so we could make sure we had oh, all boy. the songs and didn't miss any of it. But I was like this, I was so self-conscious, like I, would, I wouldn't sing very loud, I just like this whisper singing, but I would just listen to the words and love it so much. Well, life gets busy and you just forget that, but then like God intersects our lives and we're like, oh God, you're amazing, I want to worship you. Um, and so he will, he will guide us. But that was a fun, it was fun remembering the other day. Um, but it's, it was. But I would look back and I'm like, when did that change for me? And it, it's this, let things kind of can sometimes press in on our lives, and we don't even realize that things are drifting uh, in a way um, until we suddenly around here. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I get over here. <laughs> um, but then he brings us back in and at just the right time for me and it's different for everybody um, but my heart was ready it was humble it was broken it was open um, and I would slow down enough to look up and to see that he was there and to listen to other people who would share these stories you know I was this but God this you know my husband and I were on the brink of divorce but God uh, I was in this addiction pattern. I was in like all of on the verge of bankruptcy. And I keep hearing these stories, but God, I'm like, but God, what? <laughs> it's like wanting to understand how how God can guide us, Amen. In, us in our lives. Mm -hmm. So what I would share is so putting on His presence. I can share what that means for me, um, and hopefully, and I know I do know that He will show you what it means for you and what it can mean for you. All we have to do is ask. Amen. Uh, but one of the, when I was on staff at our church in North Carolina, we would spend three mornings a week, uh, staff would, uh, would do devotions together. So somebody would bring a passage and we'd open it up and we'd talk about it, they'd lead us through and we would pray. And one, it was a Thursday morning, Jen, uh, who was our 
children's ministry person brought this passage. It was from Psalms, Psalm 63. Um, and I'm just going to kind of walk through it because this is what God did with me, in me, and for me through this passage and continues to. So it begins, Oh God, you are my God. You stop and think about that. Like, you are my God, not my work, not my family, not the things that I want to possess, not the things that I have, not what I'm seeking and striving. You are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Earnest, it means first, fully. Like, earnestly, I seek you, God. My soul thirsts for you, for you. Not things that temporarily quench, or soothe, or numb, but your presence, the living water. My flesh faints for you, for your peace, your strength, your mm -hmm. endurance, your comfort. Um, like in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Mm -hmm. I remember in that season, I was in this place that just felt really, really parched. Um, striving and striving and striving and mm -hmm. striving. Um, and it just spoke to me so much. And maybe you're in a season like that, or you have been before. And then there's a call to remember uh, what we've seen and heard uh, in his word. He goes, I've looked upon you in your sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. I've seen your power and strength moving in others as I was sharing to some people who would say, oh, we were this, and then we entered community and we're in church, and suddenly we realized you know, God helped them to right-size their lives. A decision and a question at a time. It's not a magic wand. No. Um, he works with us every step and breath of the way. But mm -hmm. he does it. And I just kept seeing it all around me. I'm like, how's that work? But, and it just was a matter of getting close. So that's that passage. And it goes, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as, my, as, long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied better than the richest feast. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you while on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. In that season, there were so many sleepless nights just replaying stuff in my head, rehearsing responses, like just over and over and over. Maybe you have nights like that that are just really hard. And I remember our pastor had challenged us, challenged us during worship on one day to try and praise God for 30 seconds. And then for a minute, and then two minutes, and five minutes, and 20. I'm like, how can you do that? But one night in the middle of just lying awake and just ruminating on everything that I couldn't control, what was trying to control, um, I started, I just thought about that. Hmm. He brought it to mind. And I started just praising him. And then I was seeing things that were so good even in the middle of things that were really, really hard. And then I turned to gratitude. And yes. at some point, I fell asleep. Yes. And I woke yes. up in the morning, like, rested. I'm like, oh, what happened? It's like, I drifted into sleep, reflecting on him. Oh, so when I read that, so I remember you while I'm in bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Like, that's so real for me. It is too. Um, for you have been my help. Mm -hmm. And in the shadow of your wings, protected, secure, loved, breathing, I will sing for joy. Amen. And then it ends like this, my soul clings to you, and your right hand upholds me. And I can just picture, you know, a holding baby. on to him like if you're holding a baby. Um, just put that hand underneath. The right hand. Let you fall. 
I've got you. I've got you. And he does. And so I can be in the midst of crazy. And if I will stop long enough to, to pause and say, God, you are my God, it brings me, I can be swirling around, boom, right, right into his presence. His and this rest. has been for years. This was probably 2014 that this passage, and it just, uh, but he will, it's that personal. Like as we walk with him and experience his moves in our lives and watch his word come to life in our lives and others' lives around us, um, we grow and our faith grows and we learn more. We begin to understand things in new ways that we couldn't understand before. But I know that once I was striving, but now I'm learning to let him lead and it's a lifetime process. Um, once I felt like I had to control everything and everybody, just ask my family. <laughs> um, still have those tendencies, but try not to, but I felt like I needed to control everything, to hold everything together, that I was responsible for that, whatever I had appointed myself, she pulled her together or things. Um, that I'm learning to lean on him for truth mm. and hope and wisdom and strength. That in Colossians 1.17, says that all things hold together in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's my job. Like we do pieces yeah. that we can. And in reading and understanding his word, I remember the first time I think I've shared it with you, I opened up John 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, but he shows us, and he helps us to understand as we are in Jesus is also spoken of as the word of God, the living Amen. word of God. Amen. Um, he was in the beginning. Jesus is God. Like that's what that passage all, but I remember the first time reading it going, I don't know, it's like a riddle is what it felt like. But in reading and understanding his word, he's growing me a little bit at a time and has been, and we'll do that and we'll do it for you too. Amen. Yeah, I was blind, but now I see. Bits mm. more and more and more. So he's here. He's with you. He loves you. He wants to speak into your life. He wants to light that path with his word. Again, just One that step. little flashlight at the time, not the big spotlight um, that we might like to know. Show me the end so I can get to there. Um, but he, that's what he wants for you. He wants to heal those places that are broken. He wants to help peel away anything that has been hardened over time. He knows life can be really, really hard. It was when he was here too, and he is with us. And he loves us, and he gives us the gift of his word to guide us and the gift of community to walk alongside one another. And we don't do it perfectly, but in his strength, in his wisdom, we can love each mm -hmm. other well uh, and love those in our church and love those in our community. Amen. Well, that they might see that there is another way. Yeah, know Jesus. So through life, and he can heal us in our relationships, in our hearts. Our vine maker that grafts and prunes and grows us and waters and tends. He's with me. Let's pray. God, you are so good. You're present here with us, right here with us. Uh, our passage today says where two or more are gathered, we know that you're with us when we're by ourselves, and we know when we come together and we open your word in community, 
that you multiply something there, and it's beautiful. So here we thank you for the privilege to worship you together. We thank you for the privilege to dive into your word, to try and understand it, to wrestle it, to stomp our feet sometimes too, um, throw up our hands, uh, say why, how, who knows. Uh, we just love you so much. We thank you for the gift of your word that guides us in all that we do. Lord, we, um, we trust you. Help us to seek your presence this week. Help us to um, bring, bring passages to mind, bring little words. Even if we don't know where they were in the Bible, we know they're from you. Would you Amen. give us those gifts this week, God? Would you help us to see you in the lives in front of us and the people around us and in our hearts, too? You're so good. Thank you so much. We love you. Thank you for the privilege of calling us your own. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.